0: Welcome to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. My name is Rick Zamprin. In the latest podcast, an NHL assistant coach is dismissed for not getting a COVID-19 shot. Canada has fallen out of the top 10 when it comes to financial freedom. How is Ontario's vaccine certificate program going to work? And more active weather hits Ontario. The Good Morning Hamilton
1: podcast starts now. Wake up with the information you need to get the most out of your day. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
0: We're talking about uh, an interesting development in the National Hockey League in the Columbus Blue Jackets have dumped one of their assistant coaches, and his name is going to be familiar at least to people in the Hamilton area. Sylvain Lefebvre, former head coach of the AHL's Hamilton Bulldogs. Of course, the dogs are now in the OHL. But Sylvain Lefebvre has been ousted uh, for deciding to not receive a COVID-19 vaccine. So he's not going to be able to perform the duties required, uh, given the current NHL protocols that are in place. Uh, Here to uh, provide some analysis on this latest development is Stephen Allen web editor for the hockey news Stephen. good morning how are you i'm great how are you i'm not too bad uh this is certainly interesting what what is your reaction to this story out of columbus
2: well when the nhl announced that everyone kind of involved in the teams whether it be the coaches the players the assistants and everything like that they all had to be fully vaccinated we knew that at least one or two people around the league were not going to be able to to participate this year um, in whatever way, because for the coaches, they've got to get really close to the players. they got to be in facilities where they do require you to be double vaccinated. And in that case, yeah, the, the Blue Jackets let them go. So I think it was it's surprising maybe that that's just the only one that we've heard of so far. Um, but uh, I do think that we are going to see a few more along the way.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Sylvain Lefebvre is the first person connected to the NHL who's been dismissed for not getting the shot unless, you know, there there are others who are, you know, about to be dumped as well. Do you anticipate there's going to be a lot or maybe just a handful?
2: I think just a handful. I think at this point, just from everything that the NHLPA and the league has been telling the players, it's like, we need to get this off about a hitch. We've had two kind of strange seasons. Let's go back to normal, and this is how we want you to do it. And and it does sound like a lot of players did go out and get vaccinated, and other coaches got vaccinated after the NHL kind of made their rulings about it. So uh, it it looks like... I don't know how many we're going to get. I do expect maybe a couple more, but it, it sounds like at least most of the people in the league did go get vaccinated afterwards, if they were not already. Uh,
0: my best guess is Sylvain Lefebvre's coaching career is at least on pause for the moment, because with the pandemic, you know, no end in sight uh, uh, on, on COVID, uh, I, I can't envision him getting a job elsewhere, whether it's, you know, the AHL or the OHL or whatever the case
2: is. That's tough for sure because the teams aren't obviously getting rid of their assistant coaches often. Usually that's more of an end of year thing. And then for head coaches, there's other coaches on the market that are looking for jobs too. So uh, it definitely did not help his case uh, in any means. And uh, it, it kind of came at a bad time because just like all the teams have kind of finalized their plans. They're all ready to go. NHL training camp starts soon. AHL training camp starts soon. So he's kind of just run out of time.
0: Stephen Ellis is a web editor for the Hockey News, joining us here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Zamprin. Um, Unvaccinated players in the NHL are going to be suspended without pay if they fail a test. Uh, Is that fair or foul?
2: I think, to a point, I'd say definitely fair. Obviously, there'll be a lot of players who aren't going to be happy about it, and there's a lot of critics about the vaccines in general. But in this case, it's the league's making it clear. If you want to play in our league, you've got to play by our rules. And uh, so I'm happy that they're taking more of that strict stance because that, I think, again, sends the message. We don't want teams having to stop playing games and in camps and other things having to stop because someone was unvaccinated and got it. Of course, players that are vaccinated still get it, but the odds are much lower so you might as well just do the step that makes it lower and, and safer for everybody in that situation so um i i i think it's the right call But uh, we'll have to see, really, if if any teams and other players get um, affected by it.
0: Unvaccinated players will also have their movements restricted when on the road. There will still be regular virus testing for vaccinated players as well. The interesting thing about unvaccinated players, and again, there's probably not going to be a lot of them, as the league uh, estimates between 90 and 95 percent of the players are fully vaxxed. But will unvaccinated players, do you think, carry a stigma and will they be harder to trade, for example?
2: Uh, I think so for sure Um, and of course there's that's there's a lot of players that I think uh, under wraps as the teams know kind of, okay, these are the guys who probably aren't going to go get it or just based off of their views on other things. So there'll be guys that already kind of have the a target on their back, but uh, it will definitely be tough because again, you'll get one of those players sick and that makes everything much harder. And um, again, like the players that are vaccinated could still get sick. That that doesn't change, but the odds are still lower. So those players that are vaccinated, the teams that know it, I think it'll be a little easier. I do also kind of expect that we, maybe this won't be a crazy trading year either um just partly because of the the vaccination situation last year was hard because it's hard to trade players to canada because they would have to sit out a couple weeks so i don't expect this to be a crazy trading year regardless um but i I do think that will make the the player values definitely change
0: yeah very much so steven really appreciate the time and uh, enjoy the uh, start of training camp and puck drop on october 12th is going to be here before you know it Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rick. It certainly will be. Uh, league officials estimate between 90 and 95 percent of NHL players are fully vaccinated or intend to be before the start of the season on October uh, the 12th. And in, in many cases, they got to be before training camps begin if they do want to participate in training camps. So interesting development in the NHL. will certainly follow that if more coaches and uh, especially more players or any players... Uh, don't want to get the COVID-19 shot because, well, uh, listen, if they uh, if they test positive, if they fail to meet uh, COVID protocols in the league, they won't be able to participate and they'll be suspended without pay. So a pretty tough stance by the National Hockey League. And uh, we'll see if some businesses... Uh, follow suit with that kind of uh, protocol.
1: This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
0: The Fraser Institute has unleashed its Economic Freedom of the World report, and Canada is no longer in the top 10 in terms of the most economically free countries in the world. A head-scratcher? Well, maybe, maybe not. Fred McMahon is the Dr. Michael A. Walker Research Chair in Economic Freedom at the Fraser Institute and joins us this morning. Fred, how are you? I'm fine, and
3: thanks for the invite.
0: Hey, thanks for coming on board and uh, sharing some insight into this report, and maybe we'll start with how it was compiled. How did you form this report?
3: Well, here's the boring part. Uh, (laughs) The report is all compiled uh, from third-party data so our subjective opinions don't go into making the uh, report up in other words what happened to canada is what the data told us not our preconceptions we have 42 different variables reflecting people's ability to make their own uh, economic decisions without interference by government or powerful crony elites which is a big problem in large parts of the world uh, as well as a gender adjustment to uh, reflect the fact that women are not given the same freedom as men in many, many nations.
0: Okay, so now that the boring part is underway, let's get to the interesting stuff. <laughs> why why has Canada fallen out of the top 10? What's happened?
3: Well, it's been a slow drift downwards for the past five or six years. The uh, key thing, as you might expect, is significant increases in the size of government. Um, when government starts Spending a whole bunch of money it reduces the space for free exchange because these are uh, government determined uh, purchases and whatever Uh, it reduces the space for free exchange and increases the government control over the economy so we have significantly fallen in in 2014 I think it was Canada was 68th in the world in size of government that's still pretty low not great but you know not disastrous we're now down to a hundred and twelfth, so we have fallen hugely just over the last five years.
0: Hmm. Canada ranks fourteenth based on 2019 data in the Economic Freedom of the World's report. What must be adjusted to have Canada back into the top ten?
3: Sure, and by the way, I should clarify um, um, that is the overall score. We've gone from uh, five or six, five or six years ago, to fourteenth overall, but. In each of the categories, we can also rank uh, things, which is why I can say we're 112th in size of government. Basically, getting the size of government under control. We've also seen some declines in the rule of law, probably because of various um, federal interference in um, uh, private sector uh, projects. So we have to get the government out of the legal system, uh, or we'll see further declines, and we have to get our spending Uh, uh, under control now (laughs) um, we went from in 2019 government spending represented 40% of the economy 42% that means four out of every ten dollars spent in Canada uh, were directed by the government 20 uh, last year that was up to 52% over half of the economy Hmm. obviously the COVID response but hopefully with COVID retreating, we're going to have to get that spending under control as well as the trend of spending that we were on long before COVID.
0: Our guest is Fred McMahon, Director or Dr. Michael A. Walker, Research Chair in Economic Freedom at the Fraser Institute. And we're chatting about the uh, latest Economic Freedom of the World reports, which shows that Canada has fallen out of the top 10. Which countries are doing a good job in terms of economic freedom?
3: Well, I'm going to, shock you by saying uh hong kong is still number one but this is from uh 2019 data the most recent available which was before uh the horrors of this uh, uh chinese communist party's takeover of hong kong and we're just looking at economic uh freedom and they at least until 2019 were are doing what they could to uh, protect that we have bigger declines in overall human freedom uh so hong kong's number one singapore two uh new zealand and switzerland are three and four and you can see i mean some people claim that government's not spending a lot and controlling the economy things will go uh bad but number three is new zealand uh they have very uh, attractive government in place now that's mildly uh, left-wing and yet they're third in the world in economic freedom, and Switzerland is not a bad place to live either.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, The U.S. uh, number six on the list, and uh, Ireland, Lithuania, Australia, Denmark, uh, rounding out uh, some of the other countries within that top ten. Fred, we'll have to leave it there because we're plum out of time, but uh, interesting analysis on the Economic Freedom of the World Report. Thanks for joining us this morning, and enjoy the rest of your day. And again, thanks for your interest. Thanks again to Fred McMahon from the Fraser Institute. So obviously Canada has some work to do to get back into the top 10. But, you know, being 14th, you know, isn't the end of the world either. And, uh, you know, it comes down to basically those higher taxes that government, uh, you know, we're just seeing so many more people in government. And that really has a, you know, puts a strain on resources and at the end of the day uh, really squeezes uh, the last uh, pennies out of our pockets. Uh, the rankings of other major countries, by the way, Japan is 18th. And these are some heavy hitting G7 nations. Germany 22nd. Italy 47. France 53. Mexico 75th on this list. Russia is 100th. India 108. Brazil 109. China 116th. That shouldn't be a surprise uh, at all. Uh, also, and, and this is really interesting too, life expectancy is 81.1 years in the top quartile of countries compared to 65.9 years in the bottom quarter. That is quite the difference. So, you know, Canada doing well in that regard as well in terms of economic freedom and certainly life expectancy, uh, much higher here than in other places, a little lower on the list.
1: How about some news and opinion to go with your coffee? This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
0: Ontario releasing more information about its new COVID-19 vaccine certificate yesterday. If you didn't hear the news or been tuning in this morning and just finding out some of the details, uh, basically you will be required to show proof of fully vaccinated status in order to get into places like theaters, gyms and, and restaurants. And that will start one week from today september the 22nd october the 22nd is when the qr code system takes effect so you won't have to drag around that physical paper although you can still do so but that qr code will be available to those who have a cell phone not everyone has one but if you do that'll be available to you alan hale is with queens park today and joins us now to chat about the COVID 19 vaccine certificate system in this province alan good morning good morning uh your thoughts on the rollout Um, I think there's uh, nothing that was announced
4: yesterday that will come as much of a surprise. Um, They did have to release more information after uh, making the announcement that they were, in fact, going to go ahead with these uh, vaccine uh, passports, as they're often called. Um, So really what yesterday was, was uh, just more information about where these uh, will be used and uh, what uh, businesses have to do to... uh, (laughs) <laughs> to check these things mm-hmm. and uh where the uh where some possible exceptions for uh where these will be uh, required
0: interesting to note that it was the health minister and deputy premier um christine elliott who delivered the news and not premier doug ford who was pretty much dead set against this type of system was he just trying to save face here
4: i don't know if i can <laughs> i quite understand what the premier is up to these days um he has been uh, reclusive, I'd say, for most of the summer. Uh, he has admitted that this was something he does not want to do, and quite frankly, the uh, the provincial government was browbeaten into uh, doing this by the opposition and uh, business groups and uh, public health agencies. Uh, I imagine he didn't he didn't want to. Uh, it was just a matter of him letting uh, Elliot. Uh, do this. Uh, so
0: he didn't have to. And- Interesting to note as well, it's, it's now the business community, or at least some in the business community, including uh, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business saying, we need some more supports now to implement this system because they're going to have to validate medical exemptions. They're going to have to make sure that people are using their QR codes when that comes about. Um, they may may have to hire an individual person to make sure everything flows uh, nicely at the front door. Uh, so it's really businesses now that are uh, being uh pressured to make this system work. Well, that's right. Um there
4: has been some talk yesterday about whether this announcement should have included some additional funding for businesses to help them deal with this uh added uh work. And there is quite a bit of uh work that'll have to be done at least for the first month after the 22nd, they It'll be on somebody's employee to actually like greet people as they come in and see, and uh, uh, look at a piece of government ID, whether it's their uh, driver's license or a passport or a health card or whatever, and actually check to see if the name and the date of birth actually matches the uh, name and date of birth on the um, the vaccine receipt mm-hmm. is what they're going to be using for the first of the while. So it's not going to be a an efficient process. That somebody's going to be stuck doing this all day, and it's gonna uh, it might very well cost businesses more money. uh And there hasn't been any talk about what it, the whether they should be con comp- um, compensated for that.
0: Are you anticipating a rash of fines? Because individuals can be fined uh, starting at seven hundred fifty dollars. Businesses fined at a thousand dollars for skirting the system or not following the rules. You expecting any fines?
4: I expect there'll be some fines, sure. Mike, um, what I'm uh, concerned about, I think, is whether, uh, especially in the first few days, um, uh, whether the people who are being who have to check these receipts are going to end up dealing with some like angry uh, people who are going to be, um, I, let's say, uh, ticked a, a little bit, ticked that they can't go into their the restaurant or the um (laughs) sports facility or uh their gym uh without being vaccinated and that's been something that the health minister was asked is whether you know what uh you know, is there going to be a lot of nine one one calls those for uh after this goes into place and she sort of brushed that off, uh, saying that she doesn't think that there'll be uh many police
0: calls. Well I guess we'll have to see. We we shall see. And I I doubt police will wanna deal with that and I doubt the nine one one folks want their lines tied up with vaccine certificate calls. Anthony, we'll have to leave it there. Really appreciate the time. We'll chat with you sometime down the road. All right, thank you so much. Anthony Hale from Queen's Park today.
1: Serving up a healthy dose of news, traffic, and engaging opinion. This is Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
0: Got to talk about the wild and wacky weather that we have been experiencing over the last uh, few weeks at least. You'll recall that tornado in Barrie, another one in Lucknow in southwestern Ontario. Uh, More active weather yesterday. If you're watching Global News at 530 and 6, uh, Anthony Farnell, Chief Meteorologist with Global News, was in Port Severn getting ready for a storm. And Anthony Farnell joins us now. Anthony,
5: good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm uh, I'm doing a little bit better, drying out after uh, after another wild day of September severe weather, which is uh, something that in past years hasn't been the case. We haven't seen that many storms in in other years this late into the season. Yeah, it's been
0: incredible. You you tweeted out yesterday afternoon, uh, or actually it was yesterday morning, uh, predicting what was going to happen in the afternoon with the severe September continuing. What went down yesterday?
5: Well, we we had a lot of heat and humidity. That was unusual in the first place. And then what's really sparking these storms are these areas of low pressure that are more typical of early October. So when you have uh, an October jet stream and and an upper-level pattern and then summer heat, more typical of August, you get the clashing of these two seasons, and uh, that has sparked these thunderstorms and incredible light shows. Uh, Even earlier this week in London and even Hamilton got a a taste of that. Uh, Nothing severe with it, but just incredible amounts of lightning. And again last night, uh, and of course these tornadoes and and tornado warnings that were uh, all over people's TV sets throughout the uh, the afternoon and evening yesterday. So did any
0: tornadoes develop?
5: Well, uh, there you always have to check after the fact. So what happens with these, uh, Environment Canada actually uh, has crews that go out. In this case, it's uh, the Northern Tornadoes Project that have been doing a great job over the past couple of uh, years from Western University. Uh, They uh, send a team out. They look at some of the damage paths. And I have heard of some trees down, but uh, for the most part, uh, this was over rural areas yesterday. So we'll see if if there are actually any tornadoes. There were definitely reports of, ping pong ball golf ball sized hail in some of those storms as well wow why are
0: we seeing a rash of tornadoes over the last month or so
5: is ontario tornado alley all of a sudden <laughs> well uh, it, it certainly seems that way and uh, i follow a bunch of storm chasers from from out in the uh, prairies and, and down south of the border and, and they were all half joking but saying okay september we got to book our trip to ontario to to chase some of these storms and uh, i mean this year in particular we we've had very warm lake waters so uh that normally early in the year would tend to squash some of these storms as they come across lake huron or or uh, georgian bay uh this year it actually helped to to invigorate them and add moisture and energy so that's one of the reasons and then the other would be of course that that storm track these stronger lows that that we don't typically get this early in September.
0: We're chatting with Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Uh, I guess the question many Ontarians are asking whether they're around the Barrie area or in central Ontario somewhere else or in southwestern Ontario especially is are we should we expect more of this kind of
5: active weather for this month? Well the the good news is I I don't see anything down the pipe in the next week or so what we are going to see is is a lot of heat uh, the second half of september is looking like very warm conditions along with more humidity as we get towards the end of the weekend and next week so uh heat and humidity winning out in the short term but uh that still uh, has some question marks later in this month as we start to see uh, those lows forming again and and fall eventually is going to come and we'll see these cooler temperatures. The big question is, does it come with with more light shows and tornadoes? And and I guess it's a bit early to to answer that. But as long as you have these hot, humid conditions for another couple of weeks, there's always uh, that possibility. So that's something we're going to be watching for at Global News.
0: One of the terms you were using uh, yesterday describing uh, this uh, latest storm system was uh, the anvil. Is that just the, the front
5: of the of the system? Yeah, these. Uh, so yesterday there's uh, what we call a, a cap on the atmosphere, and, and that held for much of the day. And then all of a sudden you get enough daytime heating, the sun uh, heats the ground, and that causes uh, these updrafts. And then once uh, that cap breaks, basically these storms just blossom. They pop up above the the lid on the atmosphere, and then there's nothing to stop them from just going up to 40,000 feet. And that's when you get these anvils, when it reaches that, that ice cold layer of the atmosphere and those clouds fan out and you end up seeing these just beautiful sights and we had this uh, cloud called a mammatus cloud which is uh, on the underside. They almost look like cups underneath uh, an anvil and it's just pretty neat to, to be storm chasing and seeing all that uh, all at once.
0: It's a great uh, picture that you're painting and we can, uh, you know, our listeners, I'm sure, uh, you know, appreciating the, the visualization of these storm systems. We got, I guess, technically a week to go in summer, even though you're saying the back half of September is going to be really hot.
5: When does your fall
0: forecast come out? When can we expect to see that?
5: Well, we were we were hoping to have that this week, but uh, severe weather seems to delay things, and we we're still uh, hoping to maybe have that coming up late next week. I also don't want to get out too far in advance because uh, sometimes it's better to be accurate. So we are putting a bit more uh, more thought into it, and uh, I mean, I'll tell your your listeners right now that we're we're thinking that this milder than normal condition, uh, lasts well into October, (laughs) and then it it may be one of those occasions where we have a very short, pure fall season, and we go into this winter pattern in November, so uh, that's something we're we're throwing around, and uh, the late summer is definitely... Uh, has been a common occurrence so far. Let's say this this century, we've had so many years where September and October has turned out to just be incredible weather, and I think this year will be no different.
0: All right, we shall see. Anthony, really appreciate the time. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for having me on. Have a great day. You too. Global News Chief Meteorologist Anthony Farnell giving us some insight into what uh, was all about that wacky weather in Central Ontario yesterday.
1: Wake up with the information you need to get the most out of your day. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton with Rick Zamperin on 900 CHML.
0: The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Zamperin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.